It's 1991, and I'm getting ready to graduate from college for the first time. And I've learned some software that allows me to make a self-paced tutorial on a CD-ROM so that you would basically put the CD-ROM into your computer and it would start a program. So I made a program that when you put it in, it told people about me and my background. And at the end, it gave you a test and said, hey, what's the next thing you should do? Answer A, should you call and schedule an interview? Yes! B, call and schedule an interview. Or C, you guessed it, call and schedule an interview. Yes! And it worked. I got a job pretty quick. And everybody said, wow, you should sell those things. That is really, really cool. I've never seen such a thing. So I registered the domain. It was digitalresume.cc for some reason. I guess .com wasn't available. Red flag, by the way. And I went through and made a website for it and everything. And then I did my market research and found out that not only was I not the first person to come up with this idea, uh, there were other people doing it much, much better and uh, charging much, much less. And today we're talking with Harry Duran, who shows how when you take your existing experience, do a little market research, get a little proof of concept and mix it with a hyper targeted niche, you might actually find success. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up at schoolofpodcasting.com. We have a really cool story today with Harry Duran. Before we get to that, I want to remind you, because it's right around the corner, I need these by Friday, March 26, 2021, and that is, it's the question of the month. Next week's episode will feature your voice. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. That again is schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And you'll see the answer, the answer. You'll see the question right there. What do you wish you had known when you first started a podcast? You click on the button there, record your answer, click on it again. It'll say thank you so much. And be sure to mention your podcast and your website slowly and, you know, a little bit about it so we can go and check it out later. Again, that's at schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. Oh, that music can only mean one thing. That's right. We've got some breaking news in the next release of the Apple Podcasts app. The word subscribe is going away. What? 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 Yes. And some people are losing their mind. Now, the reason for this is, according to Apple, it confused people because, well, there are other things on the Apple side that when you subscribe, you pay, but not for podcasts. So they're changing the word from subscribe to follow. And for me, my only beef is I got 15 years of me saying, it's all about the subscribers, baby. And now I have to say, it's all about the followers, baby. And it just doesn't have the same ring to it. So if you're going to keep using the word subscribe, be sure to mention to people that it is free. And you might want to set up your website.com slash follow to go along with your website.com slash subscribe. 
The other thing is you're now going to have a big giant button where the subscribe button was that says listen to latest episode. So that whole starting off the first, I don't know, 10 to 20 seconds of your show talking about the weather, you might want to cut that out because that's not going to make people follow you if you're just starting off talking about your cat and French toast recipes. This ends this special news bulletin from the School of Podcasting. Back to you, Biff. And while we're talking about links and words, how about this one? Schoolofpodcasting.com slash share. What this does is it's actually kind of a little contest, a little reward system I have. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash share. When you share the this show or whatever episode you'd like, you can actually pick different episodes. If you refer two friends to the School of Podcasting, you get a custom thank you video. If you refer 10 friends, you get a signed copy of my book, Profit from Your Podcast. And if you refer 25 friends, holy cow, you get a free 30-minute coaching call. So check that out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash share. If you listened to last week's episode with Kristen Molnar about getting booked on podcasts, you can find that at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 766. You're going to notice that I asked her about her story after she had given us some really good nuggets. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 766. Well, today I'm going to share a story from Harry Duran, and this is a case where we need to understand Harry's story before we get into it. Why? Because if you try to do right now what Harry is doing, you are definitely trying to run before you walk. Or to put it in podcasting terms, you're trying to make money with your podcast that doesn't have an audience. You see, Harry's background came from working in giant companies like J.P. Morgan Chase. You've probably heard of them, where he was making six figures a year in the marketing department. And he started a podcast that's still going, way over 200 episodes. He started in 2014. It's called Podcast Junkies. I've been a guest on that show. Link in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 767. And when it came to podcast junkies, Harry was an army of one. Book the guest, like interview the guest, edit the show, do the graphics, like learning Canva, writing show notes, posting to the website, learning WordPress, like le- learning Twitter, learning how to market, creating snippets. Like what else can I do? I tried so many things to promote the show, get t-shirts, right? <laughs> like everything I could do to market the show, but it was a great learning experience. And he was looking into maybe starting a podcast production company, but he needed to start building relationships with people who had a budget to actually start a podcast. He started, it's called Fullcast. It is a completely like hands-free podcasting solution, but who was going to pay for that? I realized I didn't know a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space. So I hired a coach, a guy by the name of Taki Moore, who I'm still working with now. At the time, it was really expensive. I mean, it's expensive and, it, it, and it's still an investment, but it was $1,500 a month just to be in a space where other coaches are, are being coached by this guy. It was, and thankfully, I was coming out of my six figure salary, like my nine to five. So I was able to make that investment. But I realized in the, the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I was like, I don't know anyone in this space. And so I went in there and I basically just went into the deep end. I'm just like, wait, you have a six figure business. You have a seven figure business and you have like this like small team and it's all remote. Like, how did you do that? And Harry was doing two things at the same time. He was building a relationship with people who had a budget for a podcast, 
But he was also learning how to start and run your own company, and he also got feedback on his future services. That first client that I had, and shout out to John Livesey, who's a good friend of mine from LA, like he was in this mastermind group, and he saw me doing something on the whiteboard where I was talking about a possible idea. On the break, he's like, when that's available, I'm interested. I'd like that. And I was like, oh, really? Cool. <laughs> so, And then I remember like I was sitting, standing in my living room in LA and he called me on after the intensive was over and it was like Saturday. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm ready to go. And like, I think at the time it was like a thousand bucks or something like that. So he PayPal'd at me and I'm like, I'm in business. <laughs> I have a business now. That is called proof of concept. Now I realize today we're talking about starting a business and maybe you're just doing this as a hobby. And that, by the way, Absolutely, perfectly fine, but both have something in common. When you describe your idea to somebody, if it's a hobby, they'd say, oh, man, I would listen to that podcast. Is that available now? Or in Harry's case, they said, oh, is that your business? I want to be your first client. That's when you know you're onto something. When you describe it to somebody and they go, where can I get that now? In my book, Profit from Your Podcast, which you can find at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com or just search for it in Amazon, I saw a couple different instances of this of where people jump into their niche. They jump into their community and then find out what they want. And in Harry's case, that came up over and over and he just kept adding it to his list of services. His goal was to over deliver. He said, can you do this? I was like, yeah, we can do that. He's like, yeah, can you do that? Like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Because I, I was building the offer as he was saying it. Because like, well, if he's asking for it, someone else is going to be asking for it as well. So that's why we just started enhancing it. And I just, and it's priced, it's a premium price point because I want everyone to feel like everything is included, even the consulting. Like you need to jump on a call with me. Yeah, let's do it. Like, and so just complete handholding on the way. It's literally like turnkey done for you. And for people that value their time, who understand what an hour of their time is worth. It's a, sort of like a no-brainer offer. And while that's a cool story, that's not why I brought Harry on today. You'll find out about that in just a second. Right now, I want to let you know if you're sitting there thinking of starting a podcast and you're a little nervous about sounding stupid or you're a little worried about, I really don't have a huge budget for this. I can make you sound like a million bucks without spending anything near a million bucks. And if you feel all alone, well, then don't. We have a really, really cool Facebook group. And of course, you have access to me. And we can help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. We've got tutorials. We've got live group coaching. You've got priority email support. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash join. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash join. So I heard Harry on the Sounds Profitable podcast, and he explained how he got a sponsor before he even launched the podcast. And the thought exercise there was like, can I create my own client? So we have a machine that can produce shows. Where would I go to produce a client and what industry would I do it in? So these are all converging. And I looked up vertical farming. Vertical who? So let's just take a second here. What the heck is vertical farming? The short version is using technology to grow like uh, produce, mainly leafy greens indoors. So for example... Deserts, actual deserts, like in Dubai, are doing like strawberries, like in the middle of the desert. Because again, you're not dependent on the climate. You can you literally can be anything outside. 
you can have a, a shipping container in Alaska and still grow strawberries because you're controlling the climate. Wow, that's pretty cool. Pretty interesting. But why did Harry pick that particular niche? And I looked up vertical farming, $14 billion industry projected to grow by like 2026. I was like, wow. And I keep seeing like VC money, VC, you know, 20 million funding, 50 million funding, 100 million funding. Probably sounds familiar to those of us in podcasting because <laughs> it's happening there too. But if you think about it, like you could probably, if you do enough research and you follow all these trends, newsletters, like 30, 40, 50 industries that, you know, doing the same thing. So I picked this one. And I said, well, if there's money coming in, there's probably like marketing dollars to be spent in this space. Or as comedian Sam Kennison used to say. Hey, we just drove 700 miles with your food. And it occurred to us that there wouldn't be world hunger if you people would live where the food is. Yes, move to where the food is. That's why every musician that wants to make it in country music moves to Nashville. But it's not enough to just move to where the food is. You have to be good. You have to stand out. After all, I could say, well, I'm going to start a podcast where I interview really interesting people uh, and and athletes and astronauts and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that your audience can do what? What's going to set you apart? Again, I've said it before. Starting a podcast is not hard. Starting a good podcast, that takes a little effort. And Harry decided to create what they call in the music business a hook. Something that resonates with your audience, something that sets you apart from the others. What I thought was interesting is if I would speak to the founders and CEOs. So that was a conscious decision. I said, I want to speak to them because those are the people that are, you know, who created these companies. I love origin stories. I love founder stories. I don't know a lot about the industry, but, you know, 250 podcast junkies interviews in, I'm pretty comfortable, you know, just being naturally curious and, and engaging with my guests in a way where I just put myself in the position of the listener. Just like, what would the listener want to know about vertical farming? And starting with what does the listener want is always a great idea. But you can see there where Harry used his experience in podcast junkies and having 250 interviews under his belt as establishing his credibility. But he still had a little bit of imposter syndrome when it came to approaching CEOs. And it's interesting because you think the biggest names in a certain industry like would be like, why are you having a podcast about vertical farming? You're like you, you're nobody knows who you are. The, the third or fourth interview was with a guy named David Farquhar. He's in Scotland. We're doing Zoom uh, third week in March pandemic. And, you know, he's in, he's in his house and I'm in my house and he's just a normal dude and I'm a normal dude. And <laughs> I think that was one of the interesting things uh, that, you know, one. A small plus of the pandemic has sort of humanized everyone. And as you're having this conversation with one of these great CEOs, you happen to mention. And then I said, well, we're looking for sponsors for the podcast. I was just still recording the the early ones. And without giving away too much information, that led to a four-figure deal for Harry. So yes, Harry was able to actually get a super niche podcast with a sponsor before it even launched. Now, some of the things that Harry did when it comes to launching a podcast, and he does this with his clients, and it's funny how great minds think alike. So I always use uh, my partner Natalie's podcast as an example. She's a photographer. She coaches other photographers on how to build a photography business. The, the show is called Photo Business Help. 
So funny that the guy from the School of Podcasting thinks that's a good idea. Like, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. So for this show, I was like, it's Vertical Farming and it's a podcast. I'm calling it the Vertical Farming Podcast. And that domain was available, by the way. I'm, I'm always looking at domain names. Like, when we're creating client shows, I'm like, what's an easy-to-remember domain name? If you Google those three words, Vertical Farming Podcast, my show's number one. And when it comes to your name, it's not just, is the domain available? This is something as podcasters we need to be reminded of. Like, anytime you're saying something, like, say it to someone else out loud, and if they have difficulty spelling it even for a second like it's going to happen to another listener as well so i'm conscious of that like even when we're telling new clients you know if the word two in there is a to is a t-o-o is it the number two like like people's mind you can't predict how people are going to interpret like the sounds so it has to be like foolproof idiot proof like to spell and so grab some of those urls use the dot show the dot fm domain you know just be a little bit creative add the word podcast and see if that's available um, but any you should always have something that's you can you know send people to pretty easily and once the podcast was launched here again harry was doing two things at the same time and that was by doing this and then tag them on every single social platform and that's You know, if you're going back to like, I was thinking about this, building up these social platforms. So now when we published it on Twitter, on Instagram, made announcement on LinkedIn, like it's really smart. Like this idea of over-delivering, I don't know why more practitioners don't think about this. It's like, let me just squeeze in the pre-roll or the mid-roll and then I'm done. I'm always, you know, I've I've had this mantra with my guests, like treat them like gold. Now I, I kind of think about it in the same way with my guests. I mean, with my sponsors, like I'm literally like, if I have to spell something out because it's not clear for a sponsor. And, and so you know, that's the approach I took. And, and they were real, they were happy. They were really happy getting visibility because if you think about companies, they're always looking for niche audiences to market to. So while Harry is promoting the show, he's also proving to the sponsor, look, you're getting this much exposure. Well, did it work? Were they happy? Fast forward to like a couple of months ago, the company's raising like another round of funding. And David reached out to me. He's like, hey, Harry, can I get a copy of those two audios? Our investors, you know, want to want some more information about me. And I, I thought about your episode. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed our conversations and I, and I, and I want to highlight those to our potential investors as well. So, you know, it's was, it was really interesting. And, and I think it just comes from a place of being wanting to make a genuine connection with them. And again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, school of podcasting.com slash seven, six, six, Kristen mentioned that the biggest takeaway from podcasting is not downloads and it's not money. It's relationships that you get with people. Here's another strategy that Harry used to grow his podcast. You know, just being creative and saying, where else, what other categories in Apple Podcasts could this fit? And so I saw nature's like not a popular category. So I switched it to the nature category. It started shooting up to the top of the charts. So much so that in Canada last week, it was number eight. And in Kenya, it hit number one in nature. And I was like, I have a number one podcast now. <laughs> so started started promoting that. It's all these little things because it starts to get visibility. So now people are like coming to me and saying like, oh, I see that you have the number one podcast in vertical farming. you know." And I haven't even looked at who my competitors are. And I, I've listened to a couple of shows in the space. So I'm a complete newcomer to this space. But I didn't want to be too biased and I didn't want to have like imposter syndrome and be like, whoa, these guys have been doing it for 10 years and they've got like 10 years of experience. You know, I just want to make sure I have a 
like a genuine connection with my guests and I'm not phased by their title because I don't know, I don't know them. Like I'm not a fanboy of like vertical farming and I'm just like, Hey, you're just so-and-so. And if someone comes back and like, Hey, you can speak to our marketing person. I'm like, no, I want to speak to the CEO. And that goes back to what we were talking about a couple episodes as well. And that is the brand of the podcast. And so with Harry, he's like, nope, we're only going with a list executives. I don't want to talk to the assistant marketing director. And by doing that, that has grown the podcast. And now he's finding out again, now that he's up to his neck in his niche, that people actually want additional forms of this information. So many people have been like pinging me on on LinkedIn. Hey, I just found your podcast. I'm looking to get in the vertical farming industry. I binged every episode because I want to get a job in vertical farming. I've hired two people to help me through LinkedIn to uh, help me with, with some admin stuff because, you know, they just wanted to do some part-time interning because they were interested in getting in, in the industry. And now I always think about this as an ecosystem. I started a vertical farming weekly newsletter, which originally the newsletter was just, Hey, here's a new episode. But because I'm in the sort of this entrepreneurial world of like the newsletter economy, marketplace economy, these things fascinate me. So I said, well, one of the guys who was helping me, I said, how about if you just start collecting news every, because there's tons of news, news, tons of news sites about vertical farming. So now he prepares a vertical farming weekly newsletter and I've started to put logos at the bottom, a la pod news, right? <laughs> and I'm testing out to see if there's a, an appetite for people who are w- willing to purchase those logos and pay for those. And then already thinking about, because I'm seeing what James does with pod news, I'm going to create vertical farming jobs dot com and then start to have all three of those sort of like cross reference each other um and so when you go to vertical farming weekly newsletter you'll see like the 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 podcast as a logo at the bottom so each of those properties are going to advertise the other ones so it sounds very promising sounds like a success that's going to keep blossoming and blossoming and bringing more opportunities to harry and that got us on the discussion of well, have you ever tried something that didn't work? And so we kind of talked about when it comes to validating an idea. I think you need to validate an idea better. And this is where I started learning about MVPs, like minimum viable product, and really just, you know, product market fit. Like, does anyone need this? Is anyone asking for this? And it's just start, you can do this with a Google form. Like you do, you can do this with a Twitter poll. Like you don't have to like go down these rabbit holes. And I think um, it's been, it was really interesting, but also just from an entrepreneurial perspective, this concept of failing forward um, and just understanding that failure is part of the road. And, you know, you just have to try a lot of stuff and you have to be comfortable with failure. And one of the things I'm going to take a tangent on this that I keep seeing People get advised to do this in Facebook groups. And for the record, I'm not sure Facebook groups are always helpful. I see a lot of bad advice there. I hear a lot of bad advice on Clubhouse. And that is, let's say you start a podcast and you're seven, eight, maybe 13 episodes in and somebody advises you, yeah, just relaunch your podcast. That is a horrible idea. And I always say that if a big launch equals a successful podcast, that would mean a big wedding equals marital bliss. And in both cases, the work is just beginning. 
And if you are walking from point A to point B and halfway there, you take a wrong turn, you don't walk back to point A to get to point B. You figure out what's going on, you change your direction and head towards the right direction. You don't just throw everything away that you've done for 13, 14, 30, whatever, however many episodes. That makes me cry for the people who actually subscribe to your show. You're just throwing them away. So that is really bad advice. Be careful of YouTube. Be careful of Facebook. In fact, we heard in this episode where Harry hired a coach. You might want to look into, and I know you're going to say, oh, you're saying that, Dave, because you're a podcast coach. Well, yeah, kind of, because I see people do these really stupid things all the time. But we do learn from our failures. So I had to ask Harry, what was one of his favorite failures? I'm a huge productivity nerd. So before Podcast Junkies, I was thinking about doing a a productivity conference. And I was like, yeah. And I reached out to Mike Vardy. Shout out to Mike Vardy. And I subsequently had him on Podcast Junkies. But he's like a super productivity nerd. And I was following all these guys. And I was like, what about a what about the world's most productive conference ever? <laughs> and I was thinking all these ideas in my head. For some reason, I decided uh, it was maybe like memories of like 99.com craze but I called it prodconf, P-R-D-C-N-F dot com. Like, makes absolutely no sense. Grab that domain, because I was like, yeah, I need the domain. Um, started running, like, Facebook ads. Uh, I spent, like, over $1,000 on, like, Facebook ads and did not get one registration. <laughs> and realize, when something like that happens, it's not really a failure. It's just a lesson that in some cases you paid for, hopefully not a lot of money, but I've got plenty of those and I'm sure you do too. So I asked Harry for his final thoughts as we started to wrap up our discussion. And and for the listener, just, you know, don't be afraid to test out new ideas and validate them first. They may fail, but at, at least you tried and, and, you know, thankfully this one panned out. But again, the more niche, the better. I, I think that's the takeaway there. I knew that was going to be a cool story when I heard about it. Thanks again to Harry. You can find him at, well, the podcast we were talking about, verticalfarmingpodcast.com. His company is fullcast.co. You might know him from podcastjunkies.com. Links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 767. I love the fact that he went hyper niche, but he also said, give me a hyper niche that has a budget. His whole thing was listener first, even though he was kind of doing this to get sponsorships and find that he's like, in the end, what did the listener want to hear in a podcast? And also, this is what I was talking about. He had seven years of podcasting experience when he started this. He didn't just jump in and go, well, I don't know how to interview anybody, but I'll figure this out. And I love the fact that he said, you know, when it comes to verifying an idea, does anybody want this? Last year, I had to realize that for whatever reason, everybody saw the school of podcasting as a place to start a podcast, but not necessarily how to grow a podcast. So I was actually going to start a second site, a community that focused only on growing your podcast. Like if you didn't have a podcast, you couldn't come in. And I reached out to my newsletter. I reached out to, to you and I said, Hey, I would like to pick your brain on this. And in a nutshell, I said, here's what I want to do. I want to have a community of people. We're all going to, like, you'll have one person maybe a day, a week. We'll all listen to their podcast, and we'll give great constructive feedback. Uh, then we'll look at different strategies for growing your audience and all this stuff. And in a nutshell, I didn't have anybody go, oh, man, when can I sign up for that? I had one person say, wait, I have to listen to more podcasts? 
And I was so ecstatic for that feedback. Now, on one hand, it kind of was like, oh, I guess nobody wants what I want to do thing. But on the other hand, how much better is it to find out about it now before I go investing hours and hours in a website and learning this and that and setting up all the different formats? I'd rather know it now before I go wasting a bunch of time. Now, if you think that's a good idea, I still want to do that. I had a couple people who were going to line up. We're going to partner with it. And either A, now here's the other thing. That might be a good idea. I'm just explaining it wrong. Not really sure about that. And that's where, again, your podcast is a recipe. It's not a statue. And so maybe I'll go back to that idea someday and I'll come up with a better way of explaining how I want to help you grow your audience with a community that's focused on growing your downloads, growing your influence, whatever it is you're trying to do with your podcast. But right now I've put that on the back burner. I've got other things I'm working on, which again is a good thing. We've only got 24 hours in a day and we've only got so much time on this planet. I might as well spend it working on something that somebody actually wants to use. Now, if you want somebody to bounce your opinions off of. I've got a private Facebook group over at the school of podcasting.com. If you go, Dave, I don't even have a podcast. I've got tutorials at you guessed it, the school of podcasting.com. And if you're like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm just going to be hung out to dry. No, you're not. You've got me right by your side. I've got live group coaching. And of course you've got priority access via email. And if for some reason you start the school of podcasting and you're not happy anytime within that first 30 days, go, Dave, I'm going to tap out. This is not for me. By all means, I will let you tap out and refund your money. Check it out. School of podcasting.com slash join. And I'm so happy you made it to the end of the episode. If you feel like following this show or if you want subscribe for free, all you have to do if you're on your phone, text the letters SOP altogether, one word, SOP to 31996. That's SOP to 31996. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. It's interesting because podcasting for me, like with Podcast Junkies now, I look forward to the interviews simply because I can speak to my friends. <laughs> That's it. I keep trying to have like really in-depth conversation with like the girl that like checks me out at, I don't know, the food place. And you're like, so how do you feel about it? And they're like, wait, it's just, it's 1836. That's all I need is your money. And yeah, exactly. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah. When did you first but- decide you wanted to become a, a, a bagger? <laughs> That's your <daughter>, yeah. <laughs>